Um, good evening to all of you, and thank you so much for coming um, tonight. I'm going to do my best to, um, as Louis said at the start, both uh, try and explain some stuff, uh, but also engage our kind of hearts and our imaginations uh, in all of this. So uh, that will involve some work on your part as well, just to uh, give you some warning uh, as we begin. The first thing I'd like to do, maybe just turn to the person or one or two people next to you and just discuss with them very briefly, who's the greatest person you've ever met? So who's the greatest? And, and then at that meeting, what happened? Like, did you freeze? Did you say something dumb? What did you do? So who's the greatest person that you ever met? What happened when you met them? 30 seconds, off you go. Okay, okay. Um, that's great. Sorry not to give you um, and if you want to put up a hand and just say who's, who's, who's some of the, who are some of the great people we've met around the room? Anybody? You're too modest. Queen. The Queen. How was Queen and the Queen Mother. Wow. Very good. I've not met anyone famous like at all. So, no. Like, not, literally, no one. So, there we go. Um, we just hold the thought and hold what it feels like to anticipate meeting someone who you've always sort of thought was great and maybe been a bit in awe of, because we're obviously going to come back to that. Now, this theme about the second coming of Jesus is something that we sing about, as Jack said, often, even if we don't fully understand it or live by its truth. Uh, so I'm going to ask you uh, some questions. If we could have the second slide, Tim. Uh, so just going to fill in some gaps in hymns that we sing often. So, when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and something, something, something. Shout it out if you know it. Take me home. Yeah, we sung it tonight. And take me home. There we go. Good. Next one, please, Tim. Thank you. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Yeah, great. And last one, please, Tim. Uh, we didn't sing this tonight, so slightly harder. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hands. You guys are good. Till he returns or calls me home. There you go. See, Ros, you know it, didn't you? Good. And what this is talking about is the second coming of Jesus. And we're just going to try and outline tonight what that means and what it means to live by the truth that that is happening. So we can have the next slide, uh, please, Tim. Uh, this is one of my go-to places for knowing what things mean. Uh, this was, a, in a sense, a short summary of the Christian belief uh, that comes from roughly the fourth century, and it's called the Nicene Creed, and we, we say in that, Jesus will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. So when we talk about the second coming of Jesus, that's what we're talking about, that Jesus will come again, but that this time in particular it will be in glory, and we'll come back to that, to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. So that's what we're going to be looking at. Let me give you a few of the key scriptures. Uh, one would be John 14, uh, chapter 3, where Jesus says, if you remember, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So that's in that part of John 14 where he's talking about his uh, father's house. So it's this kind of huge house with lots of different rooms, uh, but it's a very homely thing. It's basically saying, I'm going to come back 
and I'm going to take you so you can, we can all be together. Then in Matthew 24, uh, we read, Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Uh, so that comes uh, from uh, shortly before Jesus' crucifixion. It's a part of a wider section there, and that's Jesus talking about his own return. And then in Acts 1, once Jesus has ascended and gone back to heaven, the angels say to the disciples, Acts 1, verses 10 and 11, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So saying to them, look, you saw him go, well, don't worry, because he's going to come back again. Uh, Bruce Milne, the New Testament scholar, wrote this. He said, A full description is impossible, but our glorified Lord will show himself in a manner which will be utterly climactic for existence. It will transcend all events in space and time. That's what we mean when we say Jesus will come again. It will be the time when the salvation that he has come to win for us and for our earth will be completed. So remember, a couple of months ago, we were looking at heaven and what that means and that whole sense from Revelation, no more crying, no more tears, no more pain. So that salvation that has begun now will be complete that day. There will also be judgment that day, but it is a judgment that Christians do not fear. And that will also be the day when a new heaven and a new earth is, uh, is heralded in. So it's, in a sense, it's not the end, but it's the beginning of something far greater and more beautiful. Uh, next slide, please, Tim. Just a tiny bit of refreshing. So Jesus' first coming, that sometimes theologians call the incarnation, Jesus becoming flesh. So when Jesus first came, in one sense, it was under the radar, it was, it was unnoticed by many. People with eyes of faith saw it. Uh, many were attracted to him and came running to him. But of course, uh, many thought, this can't possibly uh, be uh, the Son of Man, the Son of God, and turned their backs on him. That was Jesus' first coming, when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, next slide, please, Tim. Jesus' first leaving... Uh, is what we've just referred to, is the ascension, uh, end of Luke and uh, Matthew, start of Acts, where uh, Jesus goes back to heaven. Uh, it's very much linked uh, with the promise of the Holy Spirit as Jesus' promise of his continuing power and presence with us and with us being commissioned to go out as his ambassadors in his name to the world. So Jesus goes, but as he goes, he says, don't worry, you now get to go. You get to go to all nations, but don't worry because I, by my spirit, will be with you and I will go with you. And so we are now living in the gospel age. And we're living in this now and not yet age of God's kingdom where we call ourselves Christians rightly. We know the love of God. We experience the love and the healing and the grace of God in our brokenness. 
But we know that that is not finished. We know that it is far from finished and God has still plenty of work to do in us. We are delivered now from the fear of death or what Paul calls in 1 Corinthians the sting of death, that sense that it just leads to judgment, to hell, to being far from God. We're delivered from that and yet every single person in this room is still to die. So I was talking quite recently with someone about that. And, and that, that is the truth uh, for Christians, that we're delivered from the fear, the sting of death, but every single person here, we will still die unless Jesus comes uh, back to take us home first. So this belief in Jesus returning to take us home and to usher in a new heaven and a new earth comes primarily from Jesus' own words. And it's then, uh, in a sense, repeated or taken up, often using similar or, very, uh, or even the same images by other writers in the New Testament, particularly by Paul, uh, but others too. And I just want to work through the four key words uh, that are used, and then I'm going to get Brian and Sue uh, to come up and share a bit from their own uh, perspective. So next slide, please, Tim. The first word uh, is unpredictable. We don't know when Jesus' return will be. And the key image that's used in the Gospels, and we heard it in the reading from 1 Thessalonians that Lynn read for us tonight, is a thief in the night. It's unpredictable. If you knew ahead of time that someone was going to be breaking into your house at 4.24 tomorrow morning, you would make some sort of plan. Now that plan might be ready with a baseball bat, it might be move out of the house, it might be call the police, but it is unlikely that you would just go to sleep as normal. If you know the hour when the thief comes, that you are going to be ready. But Jesus keeps on saying, you don't know the time. And so therefore, we must always be ready. Now there are some very, very broad brush uh, images in, new, in the New Testament about some of the things that will take place before Jesus returns. But the key image is still that we don't know the time. And history is littered with people who thought they know better than Jesus. So Martin Luther, who's one of my great heroes, who was one of the leaders of the Reformation in the 16th century, uh, in 1525, there was a revolt in Germany uh, that was uh, called the Peasants' Revolt. And Luther was completely and utterly convinced that it was the sign of the fact that Jesus was going to come again really soon. And he got in a right old state about it. And then, you know, here we are, uh, 500 years later, Luther was clearly wrong, even though he was right about so much. October 1914, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses claimed that Jesus had made an invisible return uh, to earth. Well, that clearly goes against the teaching of Scripture because Jesus always says it's going to be in glory. No one can miss it. You might have missed uh, his incarnation, his first coming. You won't miss the second one. In 1988, I was uh, living and working in Jerusalem that summer, and there was a whole band of Christians, mostly from the States, uh, who had been told uh, by their kind of cult leader that Jesus was going to come again in the summer of 1988. They'd sold all their possessions, and they were literally camping on the Mount of Olives, convinced that he was going to come again any second now. Our automatic 
response to anyone claiming that this thing in the news or that thing that I heard about is a sign that Jesus' return is imminent is to say, actually, we don't know. We don't know. He told us again and again and again, you don't know the time. And actually, knowing shouldn't make a difference, as we will see. Uh, Next slide, please, Tim. The second one is uh, inevitable. Uh, Jesus' return is inevitable. It's absolutely 100% happening. And the key image is labor pains. Uh, Now, some of you have had babies. Some of you have witnessed uh, others having babies. Uh, There just comes a point uh, where this baby is coming. And that's the image that Jesus wants to use. It's 100% going to happen. We might talk about it in terms of the inevitability of love. Jesus has promised that he will come again to take us home or to bring us home. Now, think of the most trustworthy person you know and treble that and double it and times it by 10 and put a couple of noughts on the end. Jesus has promised this is the inevitability of love. He's not going to leave us stranded. He's not, going to, he's not going to leave undone the work that, he's going to, that he promised that he would do. So the second key word is it's inevitable. It's going to happen. We can be fully sure of that. Next one, please, uh, Tim. Uh, the next word that we often find in Scripture is that it is ignorable. Sorry, it's a, it's a bit of a lame word, but it's making a strong point. It, it, this is ignorable. You can ignore all of this. You can deny it. You can push it aside. Uh, in our culture, that's part of a wider cultural fear of death, that we just want to just push all talk of this away. There is warning as well as longing in the New Testament teaches us that we should be ready at all times for his return or when he calls us home. But many of us aren't ready. But if we love him, we will be ready to see him and will want to be ready uh, to see him. Those of you who have been married recently or like next year we've declared, by the way, as the summer of love because there's just so many people already getting married. Uh, We'll sort of be aware that as the day comes closer, you know, one has a focus and on the whole, you want to be looking your best for that day. If for no other reason, then there's going to be Michael taking photographs uh, of it. So, so you know, we, we rightly, so on a big occasion, want to look our best and be at our best. And there's something similar going on here, that we, that we can ignore all of this and say, well, actually, either it's not going to happen, or it, I don't want it to happen, or it's not going to include me. Uh, but actually, that would be a huge mistake, and Jesus warns us against it. The last word is wonderful. Wonderful. This is something that we long for, or better really to say Jesus is someone we long for if we belong to Jesus we are children of the light we are forgiven we are being made new we love Jesus we love what he stands for we love what he wants so rather than say it's ages like statistically until I die so I'm going to live my own life instead of saying that we say God loves me unconditionally and recklessly. 
So I'm going to live my life for him. I'm going to live as though I could either meet death or he returns every day. That's going to be the perspective that I have. That's going to be the thought with which I wake. And for most of us who are Christians, uh, that will have two broad areas of focus. The first will be that I want to be right with God and his people. I want to be living a faithful, joyful, obedient life. I don't want to be living with darkness in my soul. Selfishly, it's not good for my soul, but I I, I know the future in the biggest, broadest brushstrokes possible. I know where I'm going. I know who's going to come and take me home. I know that my real, real, deep, true home is not here. But it's with him in the city of God. So the first focus is that we will want to be right with him and his people. But the second focus will be that we want to make earth more like heaven. We want to make earth more like heaven. Think of that phrase in the Lord's Prayer, that we want his will to be done on earth as in heaven. There is a Marxist critique of Christianity that says Christianity basically, uh, it was, it, Marx called Christianity the opium of the people. It was something that kept us lazy and complacent and basically said to people, look, if you, if you just suffer lots in the present, don't worry because you'll have Jesus one day in the future. And so he saw it as a way of keeping the working classes down by telling them that even though they had a terrible life here on earth, they were going to have a great life here in heaven. That is not ultimately true for any Christian who reads and understands their Bible. The fact that Jesus is coming again to bring a new heaven and a new earth is motivation for us to change the world today. If heaven is going to be no more suffering, then let's make earth more like heaven. And that's why Christians feel so strongly about these important social justice issues. We don't just bang on about pie in the sky when we die. We want to make earth more like heaven now. We know we're not going to do everything But that doesn't stop us anticipating the new heaven and the new earth. Now, I've got a couple of things that I'd like to suggest by way of response. But I'd like to invite Brian and Sue uh, to come up now. Uh, And there's there's two microphones. Uh, Come and take a seat. Wonderful. One for you, Sue. Brian, one for you. Thank you so much. And... What I'd just like to do briefly is just to ask the two of you, and you can decide who goes first, um, what, what do you think it's going to be like meeting Jesus one day? I was trying to think this afternoon, and I, I, I came up with probably 20 or 30 sort of adjectives at that stage, but I think awe, wonder, Enjoy are probably the top three. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, see. Um, I think it. Well, what came into my mind was a picture actually of um, some of you know. I love walking in the mountains, and when you've been on a really massive long hike, you know, a really big stomp, uh, it's that sense of coming home at the end of the day. You know, that real sort of like, oh, you know, just. That, yeah, that feeling of coming home and putting your feet up and okay. feeling 
you're most okay. relieved and happy. And do, do you, are you scared? Are you, does it make you fearful or scared to, to meet Jesus face to face? I don't think I can be, be scared. Um, there's an English word fear which has two different meanings to it. Um, one, one meaning of fear is to be frightened. And I'm not frightened of Christ coming again. Um, Paul's so clear at the beginning of Romans 8 when he says there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I believe that to the depths of my heart, that in turning to him and asking him to cleanse me, to forgive me, then, as we've already referred to in one of the songs, when he comes to take me home, there's no, there's no frightening fear. I think there is, there is fear, and the, the other sense of fear is that of awe and of wonder. And I think that's there. Um, maybe it is a bit like meeting somebody very important. Um, you know, people who've, who've done that, say, in a restaurant, have suddenly found themselves very tongue-tied of sort of having finally met the hero they wanted to meet, just couldn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And I think, I wonder whether it's going to be a bit like that. Mm -hmm. So are you scared? Yeah, no, I don't think I'm scared um, because I hang on to this particular verse that I absolutely love and it comes in 1 Corinthians 13, which is a whole chapter on love. And I loved what you said about, you know, the inevitability of love. Um, and at the, at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, <clears throat> Paul writes, now we see only a reflection as in a mirror then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And I think it's that, it's that amazing fact that I will know as I am known, because there is so much that I don't really know, <laughs> if I'm honest. You know, I have questions. And I don't sort of mean like, you know, how did Noah get the animals into the ark? Not mm. those sort of questions. Like, really like gut-wrenching questions and deep questions about mm. things that are huge. And this idea that I will actually know as he knows me, mm. you know, as I am known, is just, yeah, mind-blowing. And that, that, so there's this real amazing sense of, yeah, as Paul writes, completeness yeah. and coming together and, yeah, so I just think, well, what an amazing thing to look forward to. Um, yeah. I think that comes back to what you were saying about coming home. Um, if you've been away from family for a while and family have greeted you at the airport and there's great hugs and everything else, and when you've got back home, you find that you can be yourself Whilst you've been away, maybe there's all sorts of things you've been worried about. Um, things may have gone wrong or um, you've had some great times and you're longing to share those. But when you come back home, you're known as part of the family. And I think that's, that's the same here, that, that that business of coming home. We can experience a bit of it now in our, in our times of worship. We experience it perhaps when we're on a mission team somewhere and we're really working together. And that sense of God working through us and encouraging us and everything else. So, yeah, I think that coming home is, is, is a beautiful image, actually, because I, I think that's, that, that's what, what's, what it's going to be like. I think one of the other aspects of it is I don't know how much of our current lives we're going to remember. 
Um, I don't think we're given any indication in Scripture as to, to just what we were there. We'll know who we are as individuals and we'll know others as individuals there. But I think um, there is something about being known afresh by God and being welcomed by him and at the same time also knowing that now things are going to be okay. Um, we do sometimes live in fear of tomorrow. I can remember the start of COVID and these two will actually testify as we shared on the phone conferences we had at the start of that. I was terrified those first few days. I live on my own um, and just those first few weeks of COVID and the lockdown of just what was going to happen the next day. I'm a news junkie, but it actually drove me to turn the radio off and only decide to listen to one news bulletin a day. And I think one of the things that will be, which, which won't be there, are all the things that are bad and wrong. And sometimes we, we, we live with a, why doesn't God step in and do something about what that bad person is doing? Or how have they managed to get away with that yet again? And I think knowing then that through that judgment that, that's talked about, it's a cleansing and a sifting judgment which will, which will transform and mean that as we meet with the Lord, as we meet with others with the Lord, that all will be well. Thank you. Last question. Um, is, this, is this something that old people think about because they're closer to death. I mean, can you remember back to when you were young? Did, did, did this mean as much to you in your younger Christian days? And what do we say to a congregation maybe younger than us? Because I can think maybe they're thinking, oh, we'll leave this till we get old like Simon and, and or, or is it for everybody? I have to say, it's my daughter who says to me sometimes, I wish the Lord would come back. Okay. So um, right. I think some young people feel it as well. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, okay. I think, I think if, I, if we're honest, there are mixed feelings and obviously at different stages in your life and because of what's happening to you in your life, you are going to think, yeah, um, more or less or differently about it. Um, but there are definitely moments when you just think, yeah, come on, Lord, come, <laughs> Maranatha. I remember when I was a student, there was one particular time and it was, things were very hard. I, I can't remember the details now. And um, with my roommate, we were listening to somebody explaining parts of Revelation to us. And in the midst of the chaos that seemed to have happened during that previous week, and in our real fears about what was going on in the world around us, as we heard the, um, part of the early parts of Revelation being, being explained in the sermon we were listening to, things, there was that sense of peace that God did have everything in hand. And I think that's, that's part of knowing that he's coming again, even when things are tough, even when things are very rough. Knowing that he is coming again, it can be a reassurance to us, no matter what age we are. And I think, so I, I think, it, I don't think it's just something that old people like me think about. Mm -hmm. um, I think there is, a, there is a sense of this for all of us, um, of God is, is sovereign, and he will one day return, and he will put things right. Mm. And those who, who, who haven't turned to him, those who have rebelled against him and caused evil to others, 
will come under his judgment. My longing would be that those people would actually, once they've got the time, would turn back to Christ mm. and seek his forgiveness so that they too can come home. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, what I'd like to do is suggest um, we're going to put a, a slide up and just suggest three things to think about uh, before uh, we move on in the service. And just in a sense, and by way of response for tonight, sorry, the, the side screens seem not to be working for some reason, so you have to look at the main screen. Um, and, and really, so kind of three possible responses. The first one would just be, I need to think and read and talk more about this. We've sort of whetted your appetite. And so if you feel, in a sense, you still need more info and data and, and you know do come and speak to one of the three of us or to someone else that you know well we happily point you in the right direction if you just feel like I just need to get my hands on more information uh, read talk listen understand um, the second thing uh, which maybe is just there may be there's something that's dark and hidden or broken in you you know we've talked about the fact that we are children of the day and that as children of light we will welcome Jesus when he returns. But of course, in most of us, there are things that are broken and dark and hidden that we need to bring into the light. And so maybe that's where you're at tonight, that actually the, that thought of, oh my goodness, you know, what would I say to Jesus if he came again when I'm still carrying this bag of nonsense around with me? Maybe this is the spirit prompting you to say, you just need to bring that out into the light. Do come and pray with people tonight or come and seek one of us and we'll gladly talk. Uh, and the third one may be just that sense of, well, I'm not doing enough uh, to make earth more like heaven. You know, we're all called uh, to be doing that. So maybe there are ways that you feel God uh, has called you uh, to uh, make uh, earth, even just this little bit of earth, uh, less suffering, less pain, less alienation. Well, that's the perfect thing uh, to be doing uh, while we're waiting uh, to die or for Jesus to come again. So I'm going to leave that up on the screen just for a minute. Uh, but Brian, would you just pray for us as we reflect on that, please? Father God, thank you that throughout Scripture, not just in those New Testament passages, but elsewhere too, there are clear indications that you will come back and redeem the world and complete the work that uh, began with the cross and the resurrection. Help us to look forward, hopefully, to that day. Help us to look forward with expectancy to your coming again. And may that expectancy and that hope drive us to want to live in the way that you want us to live. Thank you for the promise of forgiveness when we don't get that right. But Lord, pray that you would help us to always want to live as those who are children of the day. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sue. Thank you for having me.